Right. Not even halfway through Canada and we're stuck. Oh, hey there. You having some car troubles, eh? Yeah, we're trying to get to the North Pole. I don't suppose you're from AAA, are you? Who? AAA, you know? AAA. Oh, AAA, eh? Hey, I just came from AA. No, not AA, AAA. Yeah, that's what I said. AA, eh? Oh, so you are with AAA? Oh, no, that's AAA. I just came from AA, eh? Huh? Stewie, I think he's just a drunk. Well, drunk or not, can you help us? I can if you want to join AA, eh? No, I'm already a member of AAA. I need help with the car. Oh, I see. Yeah, looks like you got some water leakage. You might need a hose, eh? Jose, Roberto, whatever. If you've got some Latinos up here that can fix cars, that'd be great. No, I mean, it looks like you need a part, eh? Well, yeah, when it's fixed, we can celebrate, but let's deal with first things first. Well, I can probably take you to a gas station, eh? You have cash, eh? Well, I don't know. My name carries a little weight, but I, I don't see how that matters here. Look, we, we don't have enough cash to fix the car, and we're kind of on our way to the North Pole. Oh, a car won't take you there anyway. But if you like, you can take my snowmobile. Really? You just give it to us? Oh, sure, that's what Canadian hospitality is all about. If you like, you can have all my money and my leg. Get ready! Woo! We are on tour, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive! This is the Cutline Podcast, with your host, Michael Cavalunas. Montreal, the Hockey Hall of Fame, and home of the RBC Canadian Open at St. George's Golf and Country Club. And the cut line is going to bring you in-depth analysis of the best plays of this weekend's tournament. But before that, an extra, extra, extra hello to Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, UK. Welcome back, Australia. Make sure you take the time to subscribe to the cut line on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Plus, you can find the cut line on Twitter. At T Cutline, you can find me at at, uh, at Lunas L U N A S, and fun is winning. Winning is tons of fun, but nothing is better than a Sunday fun day. Now, if you're a returning listener, Hola, Senor. We are gringos who wish to spend mucho dinero in your country. Splendid. Welcome to Canada. Go. Well, hey, hey, how about a beer, eh? And if you're new to this show, douchebag says what? What? Where in God's name have you been? I'm Mike Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter. I'm looking forward to this weekend's Canadian Open, but not looking too far ahead to that U.S. Open. Remember, your best efforts to cash and smash can be found at CutlineGolf.com. You got the tournament model, the course report, foreplay, our Vegas card, and of course, we just got everything there for you, and it's all free, all there for you for free. I've been smashing those top 40s, top 30s, top 20s, those top 10 bets. Cashing, smashing, crushing. No outrights, but that's okay. We're taking a limited view at our outrights. That's what they are. They're, they're, they're lotto tickets, right? So um, building that bankroll, doing a good job of that. But uh, trying to get back on that like top 10 DFS winning bandwagon. Haven't had that for a few weeks now. We're going to try to get back here, if not here, next weekend at the U.S. Open. But 
Cutline is here to bring you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the RBC Canadian Open at St. George's Golf and Country Club. We're going to do the best we can. Well, Elsinore. 12. 24. Oh, yeah, sorry. 24 Elsinore beers. 24. Yeah. 24 Elsinore. 1470. I believe there'll be no charge on this two for uh, a beer, thank you. Excuse me? Okay. We found this mouse in a bottle of Elsinore beer that we bought at your beer store, eh? And we heard, like, when that happens, that uh, you get your beer free. It's in the Canadian criminal code, eh? Yeah. Like, there's legal precedent setting cases in law. So, like, uh, give us our free beer. To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday, we'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. Oh, Canada. And now the goal of the cut line is to make sure that not only is your tournament lined up in the green, but so is your bankroll. It's to make sure that you're cashing and smashing and looking forward to those GPP wins with plenty of 6-6 six, six through the cut line. You play it. We love it. As always, a special thanks to Fanshare Sports and FanshareSports.com. If you're not subscribed to Fanshare Sports, easy fix. Go to the website, fanshiresports.com, and the discount code, write the word cutline, and you'll receive da, 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 20% off your monthly membership dues for the best ownership, best stats, best breakdowns in the game. So, Fanshare Sports, if you haven't signed up for Golf Goons yet, make sure you go to at the Golf Goons on Twitter, join their Discord page, get involved in those NFTs, making money, cashing money with that Bitcoin, solid program, solid Solid setup for everything that they have going on over at the Golf Goons. So, for being the RBC Canadian Open, I don't think we've ever seen such a heavy showing at the top. And this year's tournament heads back to an old staple in Canadian golf lore. That's right, the St. George's Golf Club and Country Club. Um, it's a traditional layout, tree-lined fairways, going to make this tournament interesting. Let's learn it all in the course report. So, Looking at it early, we often see an easier course setup prior to a major, but this week there are potential narratives that you're going to have to consider. The first one being that this course hasn't been seen on tour for over 10 years. The live tour, live tour, whatever, kicks off their debut tournament this weekend. And not surprisingly, thanks to the aforementioned live tour, we actually get a somewhat decent field at the top prior to a major. And one thing I noticed is how conservative course reports are becoming this week. While they may not be wrong in their analysis or breakdowns, they are very conservative in the fear of being wrong. Another feeling that something is going to give, right? The information, the stats might be too dedicated to one stat or another, and we're seeing a lot of the same models. So if you've done your research already, you're aware that the last time St. George was on the rotation, the PGA Tour was back in 2010. Carl Peterson was the winner and did so with a score of 14 under par. And during that same tournament, everyone, minus three or better, made the cut. The minus 14, modern golf equipment, and just the overall talent of these players at this point has the potential to make this a scoring fest, no matter how much we want to dress up Canada's favorite course. While it won't be as drastic as, like, say, Craig Ranch, where we're getting, like, minus 24s um, with no wind, um, I wouldn't be surprised seeing something like minus 17, minus 18, minus 19, minus 20 win this tournament. 
my analysis of this course came in several fashions, but one of the best ways was to actually go to St. George's website and its own personal breakdown of the course itself. Treeline fairways will cause concern for any wayward tee shot, but guess what? They're not as close as they might appear. I think there is some leeway in these fairways, and so like fairway accuracy always important. Don't get me wrong, but I think that you're not dead if you're missing fairways. But if you are in the trees, if you're just terrible off the tee this weekend, it's gonna be long. Um, looking at the forecast, the wind's gonna pick up in the afternoons. But it picks up both days in round one and round two. So that morning wave is really going to have an edge for those showdowns. Um, much like plenty of the courses on tour, the scoring is complete, competed on these par fives. Yet there are only three on this course, leaving the opportunities limited in number. The biggest issue for players will be these green complexes. There are plenty of false fronts, undulation, the ability to use that to your advantage on these approach shots. Plus, they're very, very small, about 4,000 square feet. So players are going to have a decent around the green game. But the thing is... The rough probably won't be that bad. Um, one caveat to mention is that all the par threes are over 200 yards in length, so keep that in mind when building your player pool. Uh, this course is about 7,414 yards. Um, it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem that length because it does seem to play longer with those long par threes, long par fours. Um, the players are unable to use the big dog on a particular par four. You're going to see a very long approach shot. I personally, looking at how highly love the approach concept will be this weekend will not be overvaluing it trying to follow that crowd the crowds when building my lineup i'll be hunting for like t to green experts even those guys that could dominate on bent grass greens it just feels that like where you can get different this weekend could be your advantage the course itself looks like some phenomenal shape it's gonna be nice to watch the tours the tour pros actually play on it so i'm excited for that stanley thompson he's your architect bent grass greens four thousand square feet very small 10 11 plus on the greens stent meter. That's a guess at this point. 7,014 yards, par 70, water hazard has four, especially a creek that runs through the whole course. And I counted, I tried like 78 bunkers. Um, I'd be willing to bet that there's more than that. Um, so look at the weather forecast Thursday, Friday, gonna be cool. Upper 60s, lower 70s. Wind comes in in the afternoon about 2 a.m. or I'm sorry, comes at about 2 p.m. For those afternoon waves and it's actually going to die down pretty good for saturday and sunday we have no really like big approach shot distribution and key stats i'm looking at this weekend ball striking approach t to green part threes birdies gain surf game part five courses i found some similarities mirfield village tpc potomac harbor town kind of because you have to be in the fairway but it's a different approach shot course so i wouldn't put too much stock onto it that's why i kind of wrote kind of in the course report and of course tpc Southern, summerlin in TBC River Highlands. But the question is, who are we going to play this weekend? He's two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this is the Cut Lines Birdie or Better segment where we'll rewrite down the best golfers from each tier of DraftKings pricing but we are looking at one little nugget that I want to tell you guys about before we get in DK start playing on FanDuel the pricing is so soft like go over there check out the pricing for some of these guys make yourself a little spreadsheet so you can compare contrast who is overvalued who is undervalued and take advantage like it's so soft over there. Make sure that you guys check it out, especially if you just want easy money. Um, 
I mean, we were cashing like crazy in cash games on FanDuel last weekend. Again, we're not going to break down FanDuel, but I'm telling you, it's an edge that you can most definitely take advantage of. So, with this week's Birdie or Better segment, we are going to start with our putters who don't necessarily pop in our particular model. And guys that we're looking at, surprisingly or not, we got Keith Mitchell, Brandon Todd, Nick Taylor, Patrick Rogers, Rory Sabatini, JT Poston, again... Luke Donald, RCB, Austin Cook, Jared Detoy, and Sang You'll Know. All right, all these guys' ownership is coming in under 10%, except Brendan Todd, who's getting some love this week so far in Venture Sports. He does pop actually pretty high in that model. He's ranked 44th in my overall stat model, 27th in my aggregate model, so there is some love there. But I will say this, like you're looking at guys who can putt on bent grass greens and they're solid on approach, solid on the fairway. And if you look at someone like Keith Mitchell in particular, he's second in strokes gain off the tee, 28th in fairway hit percentage, 7th in ball striking, struggles on approach in 2022, ranks 60th in the field, which isn't terrible, but he's able to score, ranks 10th in the field. Like I don't think it's going to be as tough as people think it's going to be this week. So I think Mitchell's most definitely in play. He could be a potential core play for me. And you look at the fact that he finished 18th at the Memorial 34th of the PGA Championship. I think these are good stepping stones moving forward. You look at guys like Brendan Todd, Nick Taylor, Sabatini, Rogers, and Luke Donald. These guys made the cut at the Schwab. Now, Luke Donald didn't miss the cut at the Memorial, and I'm okay with that. Rogers missed the cut at the Memorial, but these are like lower price guys. Patrick Rogers is overpriced, though, at $7,700. So is Sabatini at $7,200. We usually see these guys in the 6K range. Um, and, and now, like, this is just sheer vomit but I, i'm gonna mention them anyway rcb austin cook detoy and saying you'll know uh none of these guys have made a cut since saying you'll made the valero cut where he finished 63rd um i'm trying to hunt for like that top upside this year and your only option is austin cook 11th place at the Fortinet Championship. So there's just no top 25s, no top 30s. Like these are not single entry plays. These are not three max plays. These are most definitely high risk MME dart throws that in 150 max, maybe, maybe if you're just itching to get super different in a lineup, you throw those guys in. So those are the putters, Ben Crash Green's putters. Um, so keep those guys in mind. But we're going to go straight to that top tier. And look at that 10K range, um, and that's Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Cameron Smith, Shane Lowry, and Sam Burns. It's weird to see Lowry here. It really is because Shane Lowry, you just don't think of him as a 10K player, but in this player pool, it's hard to argue that he isn't. He's having a great year in 2022, and he's just turning and burning and making cuts right 32nd at the memorial everyone loved him everyone was on him 23rd at the pga third at the rbc heritage third at the masters uh guy hasn't missed a cut on pga tour this season at least i don't think he has let's see no he did he missed earlier in houston and and then the the worldwide tech championship so he missed those two but Lowry's having one hell of a year, and like, how good is it? He's third in field and approach, first in scrambling, sixth in scoring, first in bogey average, second in bogey avoidance, third in par threes, 27th in par fives. He's hitting fairways. He's driving consistently. 
I mean, depending on his price, everyone's probably going to love him for the Open whenever we get to the, you know, the Open Championship. So Lowry, I think, is in play. I don't really have any hesitations to, to, to roster him. But in this 10K range, though, he's pretty pricey. Sam Burns finishes second in my aggregate model. And no one likes playing him because he burns you every week when you do play him, right? He does, but, I mean, the guy can flat-out score. He can putt on Ben Grass Greens. You know, his, his I guess, argue, arguably the, the hitch in his game is his ability to hit fairways, but he's coming off the win at the Schwab, right? And that's why we have the elevated pricing. But I'm not going to say that Sam Burns isn't in play. Cam Smith, $10,300. And it, I'm really interested as to why McElroy, Cam Smith... Justin Thomas and Scheffler are here. And it's obvious that they're here to combat the live, the live golf tournament. Right? Like, these guys really... Did PGA like call them a favor and say, Hey, we need you here to have some star power. And it's potentially true. But here's the thing. All these guys struggle with hitting fairways. But Cam Smith like struggles mightily off the tee there's a little bit of difference so like if he's clubbing down he's still not that solid off the tee and we know how this is a decently difficult approach shot course Roy McIlroy struggles on par threes um Scheffler if he's missing tees or I'm sorry missing fairways he has a hard time scrambling and we already know the wayward tee shot that Justin Thomas can have I don't really tend to believe in this narrative about you know, these guys not being there to compete and win, especially with the major title on the line next weekend. But it's hard to say no to any of these guys. If I were to rank them and how I would do it, it would most definitely go Rory, Justin Thomas, Scheffler, and Cam Smith. Um, Cam Smith, like I said last week, would play good for three out of four rounds and ultimately finished outside the top 10, finished 13th. McElroy finished 18th last weekend. Of course, Scotty Scheffler the week before at the Schwab finished second, while Justin Thomas missed the cut after winning the PGA Championship. Followed that uh, before that, a fifth place finish at the AT&T Byron Nelson. So I think these guys want to make the cut and kind of make sure that their golf's in perfect form for the U.S. Open, but you're crossing internationally. There's that narrative that you got to discuss there. And when you look at like just RBC course history, and I'm not talking about necessarily you know, this course, because St. George hasn't been here but since 2010. McElroy won in 2019, right? He won in 2019. So, like, where where did that fit into the Open Championships of that year and in the, in the, in the major schedule of that year? Because it was different. It was very different the way things were played being played out. And when you look at 2019, you look at Roy McElroy, the Canadian Open was played before the U.S. Open, Okay. The thing was, you know, he won that event, and the U.S. Open was on June 16th. So it was two weeks before the U.S. Open, which is a little bit different. Oh, no, that was the same week. Either way, he finished first at the Canadian Open, then finished up at night. So there is an ability for them to come out and win and dominate and and be good here. I think Rory wants to do that again and be re- pre- prepped and ready to win hopefully another major championship. So 
Let's go down that 9K range, and this is a little bit different. We're seeing Fitzy HV3 at 9,700, Corey Connors 9,600, um, Hadwin at 9,300, who, by the way, did compete here in 2010, and Chris Kirk, Keith Mitchell. Keith Mitchell, we already talked about being one of the top putters. Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, the Canadians, right, who could potentially play here, representing their country. They're going to have some extra motivation. Um, a lot of that coming rounding into form. When you look at the overall stat model, though, like guys I don't like. I don't love Hadwin here. He can't putt. He looks a little bit off. His approach game is pretty bad. Um, you look at Munoz. Munoz has a hard time scoring and a hard time finding his approach game. The irony is you look at Sebastian Munoz and his course history, not course history, but tournament history, 11th to 32nd. Um, and it's not doesn't seem like to really follow suit with Munoz. I, I think it's just kind of like one of those blips in the radar. Because he does rank 28th in the field of approach. Like, all these guys look good in this spot. Um, but a couple things I want to check on here. But Terrell Hatton, and this is a lack, I think, of data. Struggles with hitting fairways. Struggles in bar, bar striking. Struggles in greens regulation and scrambling. Just doesn't have enough data to comp compete with the rest of these guys. That's why he ranks a little bit lower. I do think that he's going to be less owned because of this, and people are going to see that. But he's popping top 10 in my aggregate model, which basically takes every single model that I create and creates one single grouping and rating. Um, Fitz is 6th, Varner is 11th, Connors is 5th in the aggregate model, Finau, of course, is 3rd. Um, but, you know, are, are these guys going to club down? Like all these guys have trouble hitting fairways. HV3, Finau, Hatton, and everything like that. I'm not in love with HV3 here. In fact, I'm surprised he's not going to live tournament. Um, it probably has to do with that Nike sponsorship with Jordan. That's a potential possibility that he wants to play that out before going on. But um, Terrell Hatton, Tony Finau, again, trouble hitting the fairway. Can't hit the fairway, can't score. Thing is, though, Finau's great at scrambling. Decent enough around the green. Terrell Hatton, decent enough around the green. Of course, we talk about Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin. I, I, I think there's a lot of upside and potential for them. Chris Kirk, though, 9,100. 9, Are we still going to play this game? Right? 53rd, 15th, 5th. You know, after two missed cuts, ha, ha, didn't we miss the window when we had him as our, our core play at the Schwab at 15th? Um, 53rd at the Memorial, it, it's kind of like, okay, thanks, thanks, Chris. You, you did enough for us. We're going to move on. We'll see. We'll see if he ends up in any of my lineups. Though. One guy I do have just questions on is Hadwin. He, he's just not popping anywhere. Um, his ownership, though, is not reflecting that. So if that continues, it's a potential can't do it because he's just like he looks brutal in all my models. Um Maybe not necessarily like it'll shake out that way come Wednesday when we, re, re, you know, release the foreplay, but we'll see. Going out of that 8K range, I'm not going to fall for that Patrick Rose trap again, but watch him burn me for first round leader. Um, I think he is a high risk play. Patrick Reed, same kind of deal. Um, struggles. Don't think that this is the tournament for him. Again, though, he is going to be probably clubbing down, so it is advantageous. We have seen him in pretty good form, 53rd, 7th, and 34th, while Justin Rose coming off the miscut when we made him a four-play at the at the Schwab. Uh, Thigala, he's 8,700. I'm not surprised, actually, at this price. The 2% ownership is kind of a, a eyebrow raiser. Um, we've seen him play so well 
in the past, right? Um, it kind of all started with the 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 seventh place finish at the Valspar, right? And then the twenty second at Corrales, sixty seventh at Valero. He had twenty fourth at the Mexico Championship. Hasn't missed a cut, right? And just finished fifth. So you got the Memorial played at Mirfield Village, which I kind of think is very correlating course. And he's coming in at such low ownership. I think Tagala's a steal. Um, and then people are going to pivot to Johnny Vegas and go double-digit ownership. I'm just not buying Vegas. I know he's got GPP upside. I, I just don't think I want to hit on Vegas this weekend. And you know what? If he does pull through and follow through and you know, shock the world with an amazing finish at the Canadian Open where, where in the past he won in 2017 and 2016 and people not realizing that this course is not the same, fine. Go ahead, roster him. I'm just not buying it. Mac Hughes, probably the same boat as to why he's getting some love. Um, um, one thing I want to point out, though, with Mackenzie Hughes and Hogard, Reagan, the second half of my aggregate model in the lower half and, like, the lower third of my overall stat ranking. But Mac Hughes is able to putt on bent grass greens. Okay. Brendan Todd, we talked about him at the beginning with the putting model. And then we round out with CT Pan, no 8K guy, but CT Pan finishes up with a uh, 8100. I do like him here. He's won at RBC Heritage. A little bit different, of course, because it's more of a dial-in approach shot course uh, with your wedges. He's going to have to be dialed in with distance here. And I don't know if I could trust CT Pan over four rounds with that distance. Right, like the longer approach shot distance, with with where you got to, he's decent enough, right? He's thirty first, thirty twenty fifth in the field from that like distant distance range. But um, I worry about him putting him in like a three max. Um, potentially though, if ownership shakes out the way it is shaking out so far, and you do want to get a little bit different, I I fully endorse CT Pan in those types of builds. Seven K range, where you're gonna make your money. Let's find the Goldilocks zone, guys who are in our 30 ranks, especially in our aggregate model and overall stat model. Um, you're looking at guys like uh, Martin Laird, Smalley, looking at Matt Wallace, Grio, Ryan Armour, Steven Yeager, guys like Nick Hardy, uh, Svensson. He's too popular. Svensson's just too popular this week. Yeah, he ranks great. Like He ranks 12th in my overall stat model, but I, I, I just – he could be potentially 20% owned because everyone's going to see his name and how he's touted and talked about on the gambling circuits. Um, so that makes sense. But then like Doug Gim, you know, 35th in the aggregate model. These are the Goldilocks zones. Um, guys that we often see as like first round leaders, top five, first round Smo. He's 28th in the, in the aggregate model. Pepper has been on fire lately. I think a lot of people are going to go back to him, but he, he you know, his standard deviation, his volatility is is a miscut waiting to happen. So, yeah, 26 and 12th look really good recently. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm just not going to buy it there. Um, I'm not going to fully buy into that. A guy that I do like a lot is Aaron Rye. Yeah, he wears two gloves. I'm okay with that. Um, not necessarily looked at as a scorer, but guy ball strikes like crazy. He ranks 15th in the field. 31st in approach, um, does struggle a little bit around the green, but I'm okay with that, and struggles on par threes, and that could be a bugaboo, but we're coming off a 26th, 68th, 46th, after he missed the cut to Wells Fargo, and prior to that, a 24th at the Mexico Championship, 29th at the 
Valero, but then he did miss the cut of Corrales. Like, you're going to get that with guys like Rye. Um, Adam Long, same distance, like, same thing. You're Like, you don't have to worry too much about driving distance. So he can hit fairways. He's decent enough at approach. And if he's missing the greens, he's fantastic at scrambling or missing the fairway. So Cam Champ, no, I can't do it, man. Like, a lot of it makes sense you know, from a GP perspective, but I really like those tight, narrow player pools. So I don't think that Cam Champ's going to make it for me. Um, so Dean Burmester is getting a lot of love, the South African. I don't have the same affinity for him. Like he missed the cut at the PGA Championship. Um, he's getting higher own percentage. Pat Perez, like we already talked about him. They have no interest in him. Austin Smotherman, yes. Grio, yes. You know, and then you got guys in the middle that are going to be low-owned kind of dart plays. Danny Willett, John Ha, Smalley, Martin Laird. When you look at those four, Laird, Smalley, Willett, and Ha, uh, Willett just doesn't fit this course. Like, he, he's he's bad and and. Those are famous last words, I think, for me recently. Like, don't play him, and then, you know, the guy ends up winning. But coming off a miscut at the Memorial, Smalley miscut at the Memorial, 37th for Laird, which is good to see. Laird actually isn't that bad. He hits fairways. He's awesome ball striking. He's an amazing approach. So Laird is a solid play, especially at this low ownership. And then um, make sure that you guys are checking out Fanchair Sports and FanchairSports.com to get the latest ownership. We update it two, three times a day, sometimes four times a day, depending on news. So... David Lipsky is going to be kind of like your flavor candy of the month. And we were on him in the Byron Nelson um, and been on him ever since. And people are finally catching up because we're seeing ownership upwards to 8 9%, which is still okay. It's still most definitely a viable option. Um, thing I worry about now, there's a lot more data. He struggles on bent grass greens. Um, but looking good in my aggregate model, ranks 26th, 50th in my overall stat model. So he's one of those high flyers, um, potential top 40 bet. If you can find good odds on him. And then uh, I think that's about it that we'll do for the 7K range. God, the question. Do you go back to Doug Kim? Ugh, Doug Kim. Oh, Svensson. Going to be popular. Vince Whaley. Not going to be popular. Okay, I don't think either one really fit this course. Um, Svensson is popping in everyone's models that they're all building. Stats say play him, right? He's decent enough off the tee. He's solid in approach. Problem is he struggles when he scrambles. He struggles around the green. So if he misses a fairway, that's high risk, right? Struggles with par fours. So does Vince Whaley. So, um, again, I'm going to focus on this and, and reiterate this, that if you're looking at course history for, like, the, the RBC Canadian Championship, stop because guess what? You are looking at the wrong concept right this course has not been used on this tour since 2010 by the way luke donald played in that tournament so if you're looking at the overall final power rankings these are stat driven and you can find these in the model um but we're looking at pat perez number one patrick rogers number two lipsky's tied for second hubbard spawn fratelli svensson doug gim adam long Aaron Rye and Martin Laird all rounding out that top 10. So, Smotherman, not 
in there. And while we're in this part of the model, let's look at the 6K rankings and who down here in these in these God last ditch effort builds who we're looking at. We got Luke Donald number one. Surprise, surprise. You know, played here before. Uh, Shank number two. I like that play. Sam Ryder number three. Ryan Moore number four. Sean O'Hare number five. Justin Lauer number six. Vaughn Taylor number seven. Cam Percy number eight. Norlander number nine. And Hickok number ten. Uh, from a build standpoint, I haven't done too much dedicated research to finding like any like diamonds in the rough down here because I I just don't think it's worth it. I'm most definitely going to be looking at like doing a balance build, but if I were to, you know, pick like three, four golfers down here, you know, I'd immediately look at Adam Shank. I think he fits this course, putts well on bent grass greens. You, you look at how he's been doing recently and, you know, he just finished 26th at the Memorial. So I like seeing that he's been, he's made uh, four out of five straight cuts with two, with the top 10 in there too, at the Wells Fargo. Um, continuing on, you know, you look at someone like, um, Vaughn Taylor, who I think is properly priced at 6,800. I'd be willing to take a shot on him. Uh, Cal Taren actually is an interesting play. Um, he ranks 66th in my overall stat model, but 57th in my aggregate model. I think he's a shot that you could take on, um, Cal Tarum, $6,700, not too expensive. And if you don't know who he is, he's 31 years old. He's from the UK. He has never won on PGA Tour. But you know what? He, he, like, you have no career victories for Calum Terran. But if you don't know him from the Puerto Rico, he finished top five. No one had him. I didn't have him. I'm not saying that. I just remember his name from there. And then uh, Honda Classic, top, top, top 30. So there is upside there. Um, I'm not sure how well he fits into this course. I haven't followed him enough. But the name is kind of like what piques interest. I know he's solid on Ben Grass Greens. And I know in terms of PJ stats, he, he can hit the ball far. So he may not necessarily fit this course but um, because he's more of a power guy. But still, um, there's options there. Uh, Charlie Hoffman, do you still want to play that game? Nah, probably not. And then uh, Sam Ryder, why not? Let's go back to Ryder and and lose our six to six because Ryder has another miscut. By the way, Sam Ryder has, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight miscuts, I think. So he's due. He's due to make one. He's due to make a cut. Um, guy I want to point out, Danny Lee is 6,600 and not getting the ownership I thought he would being that low priced. Um, that is a surprise to be honest, but uh, where you see course history affecting or tournament history affecting certain players, it's not affecting guys like Danny Lee, who at the RBC Canadian Open, 20th, 6th, 32nd, 32nd. So a lot of top finishes there. Nick Watney, same deal. 20, uh, miscut, 29th, 27th, 34th, but coming off a lot of straight miscuts for Watney too. So if you guys want to roster those guys, by all means, do it. I, I just don't think there's enough there for me over four rounds maybe if you want to sneak them into a showdown so but that's it let's take it home oh you men are all alike seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag you better keep your mouth shut oh i think i love him 
that's it. It's over. It's all over. That is our breakdown of the RBC Canadian Championship. Want to thank a uh, special thanks to Fanshare Sports. Want to thank Golf Goons. Want to thank the Johan Sports Group. Join us next week as we break down the U.S. Open, June 16th to June 19th. Woo! At the Country Club. Oh, that's gonna be good. I'm so excited. Gonna love it. Um, and we're so close to my favorite in the middle of July Open Championship. Got like four or five tournaments in between there. So, uh, let's go. See you at the top of the leaderboard on Sunday. Cash and smash. <laughs>